Blog Talk Radio. Um, I'm looking for the rest of them. 
if you are the rest of them, I'm looking for you. Uh, because as usual, um, and I think this is wrong. I think this is Imaj. I don't want to open the mic if it's not Imaj, because that might not be good. You never know. It's Valentine's Day, and you never know who's lurking. So let me open this mic right here. Is this you, sister? Is this you, Imaj? Is your mic open? Yes, that's me. That's you, and the mic did open. All right, so um, it's the two of us right now, and then this evening we do have a guest. So um, a little bit later in the show we will be speaking with Professor Carl, and he'll be with us about um, a documentary film that he has Coming out, we're going to get all the details of that. And then, of course, we'll just embark on what we do. Just wind down. So I am um, working towards, I'm trying to go live a different way. Um, Because what I noticed last week is some of our, um, sometimes when we're trying to hear Ron, because you and I will go live together, but when we try to hear Ron, Sometimes we don't hear him. So you and I are laughing in our live feed, and nobody knows what the hell we're laughing at. <laughs> okay. Because right. we laughing at him. You know what I'm saying? We're laughing at him, but it looks like we are just maybe drinking a little too much. <laughs> it could be. And I'm prepared with my little wine today because I've had, this week has been long. Long for no reason. <laughs> And I'm so glad to hear that from someone who does not work with me because I was starting to feel like it's where I work. Mm-mm. It, it was, it's where I work, too. <laughs> it's just a thing right now. I think I think these uh, bosses and employers just got together and said, you know what, this is how we want, we want people's lives. Let's do this. Please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's working. They they own something. They own to something because it's working right now. Right. Um, well, I just, well, let me, let me say Happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Valentine's Day, my love. I hope it's, it's been great for you. I've been, you know what? I have been kicking at these people. You know, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how I have a balance right there. Right. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I want to stop people. It's just so funny. Like, you just, just so funny acting people. They're so extra. I have seen some interesting um, conversations this Valentine's Day. Now, I saw a comment, a post. Um, that a lady made about, um, I think she was complaining about dads actually buying gifts or taking their daughters on dates for Valentine's Day. And she equated it to mothers who call their sons king and treat them like the head of the household. She ain't got shit to do with her life today. 
But she said that only applies if the dads are not married. The dads are single men. Because a lot of what? people said, what, my dad did that for me. I think a lot of ladies were like, my dad did that for me, and I don't think anything was wrong with it. And, and um, she was like, well, your dad was married. It's not the same thing. The majority of my Valentine's Day gifts and jewelry have always come from my daddy. I mean, how do you have a how do you set a standard? <laughs> how do you set a standard? How do you set a standard if you don't set the standard? You got to model something. No, you can't just be come walking in here with all willy nilly and whatnot and think you ain't about to do nothing when my daddy done done it all the time. Exactly. What? If you want me to feel valued or whatever, I mean, you got to show me that there is some type of value. I don't know. I just feel like you want to teach a girl, this is how it feels. Yeah. I was like, this is how it feels to be appreciated. And on a special day when people are doing special things, this is what that feels like. And you didn't have to do anything other than be you to get it. You didn't have to give me no ass. You know. I mean, I think our girls need to know that it's okay to be appreciated and nothing else is tied to it. Mm-hmm. Right. But she, I, I guess she had time today. I, I guess. I guess. And I yeah. hope she has she time did. tomorrow yeah. when she realizes nope. she's beside peace. Um, but hey, neither here nor there. Whatever. I mean, that was a heated conversation, you know. So it was interesting to watch because I did not participate. I just wanted mm-hmm. to kind of do a drive by. Yeah, that that was me. Um, I've I drove by some stuff. I've been driving. I've been driving by since Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> conversation with um someone in my inbox earlier and I was like, is it so necessary for you to post your flowers um and your gifts and everything else? Like if they appreciate you throughout the year, today was just another day of them appreciating you. Like it just it's not something spectacular. Um yeah. You know, like like, y'all didn't know I got flowers two weeks ago. It ain't none of your business. You know what I'm saying? Right. It ain't none of your business that I got my Valentine's Day card in the, in the mail early because they just happened to get it to me in the mail early. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not necessary. You're not going to fill up my my um my timeline with these Dollar Tree um, balloons and bears and edible arrangements and stuff that you don't. One lady bought herself. Like, are you serious, lady? It's not that serious. You could have bought that yesterday, or you could have bought it next week. It'll still be the same edible ass arrangement. Wow. <laughs> it's just that serious for some people. It is. I don't know why. That's a, 
and it's a day where it was a massacre. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people died. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. Well, um, since we are, um, we do have a guest, so I don't, I don't want to try to wait on Ron um, because, um, yeah, who knows what he's doing. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and um, bring our guest on. I don't want to leave our guest waiting. So I didn't mean to cut you off, E, but um, oh, you know how it is. You know how it is. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and bring our guest on. So, Professor? Yes. Uh, peace and Black Power Queens. How are you? Good. And yourself, we, we, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, busy working. Um, <laughs> just uh, finished my broadcast. So, uh, <laughs> looking forward to the, the conversation. Great. And what we're I'm sorry, I lost you. Our show. Um, so, that, because we have some um, listeners that internet. They I'm sorry, I'm losing you. I mean, I'm sorry. So yeah. we, have, we do have um, some listeners that listen to us Facebook. And so we generally go live while we're doing the show, just so people can have another means of, of getting information. So, okay. Some, um, some oh, of, we could have did some a Facebook live feed, don't you? <laughs> All right. This is up. From there as well. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, to do is we want to um, give you the opportunity to share a project, tell us uh, and tell our uh, listeners a little bit about yourself. Because, um, you know, this... okay, I'm sorry, sister, this is going in and out. Um, maybe, uh, let me see if I'm in a bad place. I might be in a bad place, so I'm receiving uh, a bad signal. Uh, can you hear? Yes, we hear you. Uh, I know the sound is going in and out a little bit for me. Uh, and see, it's probably my reception. So, uh, but I think I heard you say you wanted me to talk a little bit about the uh, the Independence Day project. Yes. Well, first we want you to, we would like for you to tell um, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about kind of what you do. <laughs> well, um, I like to think that. Uh, I'm an activist, um, uh, advocate, and uh, organizer for, you know, um, the black community and in diaspora. Uh, I also happen to teach uh, at a junior college, and I also happen to uh, to uh, have just created a movie called the Independence Day Project, <laughs> which uh, speaks to envisioning uh, a community that was free of white supremacy, um, a community of black empowerment, and then uh, asked the panelists, the people that were um, interviewed in the project, it asked them 
Well, since we can envision this, and I'm using our, our ability to create that environment, what can we do to, to actually build it? And what steps do we need to take right now to build that independent black community for your white supremacy? Okay. Okay, so so give us the nature of your documentary. Um, kind of what are we going to see when we do engage in watching um, the documentary? We're going to see um, interviews. Are we going to see? Are we going to get get a little B roll with your um, uh, the people that you are interviewing? Or how do we how do we get to experience? Well, it's a compilation of interviews. Um, over 25 people were interviewed for the project. I believe 19 people made the cut. So you're going to get uh, a lot of variety in regards to um, demographics. I think every age demographic was represented in our community. Every uh, different demographic was represented. Um, well, the majority of demographics were represented in the documentary. And um, we provide visuals. We actually show you a lot of people who are actually in their own pockets and places in the country uh, exuding black independence. So uh, you'll, you'll see people who are, are talking about um, land occupation, and you, then you'll see the land that they're on as being the land that they occupy. You'll see people talking about um, creating schools, and then you'll see the visuals of them actually in those schools teaching black empowerment and Africana studies. Um, You'll see people talking about uh, community, uh, the need to build in the community and to create um, not just community awareness, but uh, activities in the community that build upon um, black, uh, that build upon communal focus and survive um, survival skills. And then you'll see that in the documentary. So um, basically, this is um, as a lot of people have that have seen it has, you know, um, what they said to me is that this is the first solutions-based documentary for black people that they have ever seen. Okay, so is this almost um, like being able to say that this is like a entire community worth of various um, businesses and avenues to stay within the black community with everything from education to business to, you know, uh, store, I mean, groceries, you know, just everything. Is this like a little bit of everything? What it is is is, is um, changing our culture from a culture of trying, uh, the culture of inclusion and trying to, you know, um, be reformist in an integrationist society. It's really talking about, mm -hmm. you know, um, moving, taking action steps towards creating a liberated black country, you know, uh, or black community or black state where you would have literally a country within a country, sort of, you know. Okay. Um, so, for instance, when you go to various cities, every city has a Chinatown. Now, Chinatown is not just Chinese people. It has it's engulfed all Asian culture. Well, you mm -hmm. So they have their own function and their own operation. They have their own way of uh, commerce and things of that nature. Well, you would see something similar, but it would be based on our cultural beliefs, going Sankofa, going back to learning our um, culture, our roots, and then bringing that culture forward so that we can utilize the lessons learned 
you know, in previous African dynasties and um, African communities, and we can bring those lessons forth so that we can change the culture that we have right now of trying to fit in or blend in or be a part of this particular society, and we can start um, embellishing on our own. So, uh, for instance, uh, when I first called in, I heard you ladies talking about Valentine's Day. Well, in the Independence Day Project, we talk about divorcing ourselves from all the cultures, the, the rituals and traditions and the practices that feed into the system of white supremacy. So we would look at the uh, holidays such as Valentine's Day, not just Valentine's Day, but since we're talking about Valentine's Day, and we would say, well, that doesn't fit into African culture. That doesn't, that's not something that we spiritually should be focused on. We should be focused on doing things that empower us. And you look at the principles behind Valentine's Day is basically saying that um, we're going to utilize commercialism to drain your community of all its resources just so you can prove to people in your community that you have some form of affection for them. Well, no, we're going to start building from a place that where the people in our community benefit from the actions and the efforts and the resources within the community. So we wouldn't we wouldn't look at how uh, Valentine's Day is a, a day of significance to us, and especially when you consider. Uh, I think one of you said before, you should be showing love and affection to your loved one all year round, not one specific day mm-hmm. that's been designed and told to you. Because that I asked the question, who gave it to you? Who directed you and who told you you were supposed to celebrate this on this day? And if it didn't come from within your culture, then there's no way your culture can benefit from it. So, so what do you say to critics who don't believe that being separate is, I guess, the ultimate means of um, strengthening your culture? Well, um, what I would say to those people is that uh, the same thing that Marcus Garvey once said when he was asked as to whether or not he's trying to take all black people back to Africa. response was no, because just as some of black people here in America are no good to black, other black people, you'll be no good to black people in Africa. And the same principles apply. If there are black people who feel as though that they want to remain um, integrationists, and they want to remain a part of this system because they've gotten used to the, the, the security of having a, a paycheck every two weeks instead of going out and becoming entrepreneurs and building your own institutions, then those black people will not be beneficial to us because we need a common focus, common mindset of black people who are willing to sacrifice presently, sacrifice some of the comforts that we currently receive, you know, in this nanny state that we live in, and who are, but, but know that the sacrifices will be well worth it because what we're planning to build will empower us and insulate us from the time when the system decides to take their hand back, to take their candy back, to take their paychecks back. So, you know, we won't have to worry about those things because our value systems will be different. So we don't have to worry about the commercialization. We don't have to worry about who has the nicest car, who has the nicest clothes, who has this, that, all these other outside factors that a lot of us are currently trained to, uh, to, to pursue because we've been taught to self-hate. We're going to become self-empowered, and therefore those of us who are self-empowered need to be around others to self, who are self-empowered so that we can work together. And it's those 
factions believe that we still need to have an integrationist, philo- integrationist philosophy. There's no harm. There's no um, anger. There's no hatred towards them, but they have to go their path and we'll go ours. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I and, mean, and, because – go ahead. Well, and in saying this, it's not saying, you know, um, that – we're going to like build up walls and we're going to build these colonies or, um, or we're going to build these um, barriers where nobody can come into. I mean, no, what it's saying is we're going to have an insulated community for which the, in- the interest of our community becomes or comes before the interest of any other outside influences. You know, um, when you look at these um, liberal ideals, and typically white liberals who try to join causes, you know, in terms of reforming a system that was never designed to empower black people. What you often have is people who happen to be watchdogs and gatekeepers for the system of white supremacy coming in veil of helping out black people or trying to uh, level or even out the scales. Well, typically they just they're just there to control the outcome anyway to make sure that um, that the black community continue, consistently stays as the bottom ranks of society and um, and that we don't have uh, an opportunity actually to acquire the wealth because you got to take into consideration. If they do those things, then they cancel out their privilege. And that's just something that no community of any common sense is willing to do. So, so I'm a I'm a small conspiracy theorist, just just a, you know a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in something like that, I, I'm I'm curious what you think about. Um, let's just say, um, knowing that our community um, economically feeds into um, the economy heavily. Once those resources are removed, people tend to get bothered. So what do you think that reaction is going to lead to when it looks like, yeah, when it looks like, oh, we're about to lose a whole lot of money? Well, you're going to see violence because that's always been the case. You got to understand that there is no, there's never been a bloodless revolution or liberation struggle, mm-hmm. and there's never been um, a liberation struggle that wasn't funded. You know, uh, so there are two things, those are two aspects that are, that are necessary. Um, but here's the question I have to ask you. If okay. we stand pat, has the white community shown, and I'm being very specific with my words, has the white community shown that it will be nonviolent towards us and choose to be ambivalent towards us if we just chose to exist. I mean, Trayvon Martin was just choosing to exist. You know, uh, uh, Mike Brown was just choosing to exist. You know, Isel mm-hmm. Ford was just choosing to exist. And the name could go on. John Crawford mm-hmm. was just choosing to exist. Sandra Bland was just choosing to exist. Eric Gardner was just choosing to exist. Eric Cut Gardner was just choosing to exist. You know, and mm-hmm. all these people right now are dead. You know, be it uh, at the hands of, you know, um, of white folk or 
just based on the stresses that uh, being this particular struggle uh, tend to lead to. So when you you look at it from that perspective, it's saying, well, they're going to come for you one way or the other. And you really have to pay attention Mm -hmm. to the fact that right now, you know, the environmental genocide that's taking place all over the world right now, water is being used as a weapon against black people. Flint, Michigan was a sign Mm -hmm. of what's to come with the toxic water. Now they have uh, Legionnaire's disease just running rampant in Flint, Michigan right now, where almost 100 people have been diagnosed with it. This is just within the last Mm -hmm. two weeks. So in Cape Town, South Africa right now, they're talking about this thing called zero debt, where they're running out of water, where they're supposedly running out of water based on climate control. So what they're going to do is institute martial law to ration water. Now the the Cape Town, South Africa, is 97% black. Mm-hmm. All right, 97% African. But who do you think the, is going to get to control their water supply in Africa, Cape Town, South Africa? They're already coming for us, you know. So either you stand, you know, either you stand tall or you don't stand at all. They have a culture of survival. We have a culture of just getting by, and that's the difference. Right. Where our entertainment means more to us than our survival, and we don't take anything seriously. This is why when the young brother got killed from Black Lives Matter last week, that everybody was up and mm-hmm. on. But you have to understand that the black community has been at war. Well, excuse me, war has been declared on the black community. We are just not recognizing. So when they're gunning us down in the street, this is war. You just saw an instance, an instance today where 17 people were killed in a school in Florida. You saw another instance mm-hmm. where... Um, people are just, you know, hanging outside of doors or windows uh, in hotels in, in Las Vegas, you know, spraying crowds with um, semi-automatic and automatic weapons. You know, um, you see uh, churches where black people go to pray only to be prayed upon by a person like Dylan Roof. And what is not mentioned in that particular uh, story is that that same week that Dylan Roof murdered those brothers and sisters in that church, by the way, which happened to be the church the home, church home of Denmark Vesey, what also happened is four churches were burned down in that same area that same week right after that. So they've mm-hmm. already declared war upon us. You're finding black body after black body lynched all over the country. The thing is the media is not reporting it as lynching. The media is reporting it as suspicious suicides. So you're finding the bodies hanging, strange fruit hanging all over this country till this day. You have uh, just last week, Donald Trump's advisor came public and said if Donald Trump was to face um, any sort of legal action that would, that would impeach him in office, that there would be a civil war laid upon this country because these white militias, part of his uh, voting class, or part of his voting body, rather, they would unleash hell upon other parts of this country. And, you know... Right. As, an, as, a, as another conspiracy theorist as I am, and I wouldn't even call myself a conspiracy theorist because most conspiracies have been proven to be fact, but they just lay that upon us so that we don't question their, the way they function and the way they move. Um, there are militias right now. They had just The FBI had just released uh, a couple of months ago where they had uncovered um, 17 organized militias around the country that were planning on doing uh, what we would normally call Ter- or have terroristic cells op- in operation in case things happen in the government and things of that nature. So 
you know, these things, these threats are very real. We're the only ones playing around. And as a sister once expressed to me before, black people are the only people on the battlefield playing games. And my question to you um, is in that same vein, is how do you are, what do you think would be one of the ways that you would approach seriously um, rallying the community together to really seriously stand for something. Because everything that you have listed, everything that you used as, you know, evidence, it's very real. It all happened. It was all serious. That was the end of a life. That was the end of a legacy. That was the um, pain for a family. So everything that you're Mm -hmm. saying is very real, and it directly affected all of us. So what else does it take to make people rally behind a cause the same way they rally behind Black Panther coming to studios? You know, what is it? Um, Honestly, uh, and this is is, – what we're doing is, um, and uh, as much as I'm willing to to disclose – Publicly, anyway, um, but we're you know I'm working with a core of people who are, who are, are holding political um, political science courses and political education, and mm-hmm. we're really you know and um, we're reaching back to some of the elders that were part of the liberated struggles that our brothers that our um, people went through in the '60s and the '70s and their survivors. You know, a lot of them went into dark holes and dark places because they were being hunted by. The, you know, um, the dominant culture. And um, we literally had police forces that were out there as hit squads looking for our brothers and sisters like they did with Fred Hampton, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X. So, um, and Mecca Evers, and you can go on. But um, mm-hmm. the so what we have right now is political education courses where we're educating the masses on this thing. Um, we're educating our people on these particular topics as well as trying to get them prepared or what is to come, because if you pay attention to the policies and things of that nature, something big is coming down the pike, um, and uh, it, it spells bad news for black people. So in order to – but here's the thing. We we have to deal um, – before we get to that point where we can actually alert people, we have to deal with the counterbalance of BS that goes out there. And I'm not sure what type of language I can use on this particular <laughs> – uh, for, um, we, um, we say what we need to say. You are welcome to say what you need to say. Okay. Well, you know, the, the um, cowardly bullshit that we deal with, and you have people who will champion um, things like a Black Panther movie. So let me tell you why it is easy, and then I'll t- then you'll see why it's so hard for us to get others and sisters to take this seriously or to acknowledge it seriously, because I believe they do understand the seriousness of this. Um the Black Panther movie, just like our sports franchises, are places where black people are allowed to and, and been given license and permission to exude their fandom, their civic alliances to, all right, because mm-hmm. there are institutions provided to you by the dominant culture, white supremacy. White supremacist institutions provide you. Marvel Comics is a, is a white supremacist institution. Um, you can go into how they have stolen black culture and renamed it, you know, the X-Men. And you can talk about all the different African and um, deities that they've um, stolen, stripped of their power, and they put white faces on them. And now 
you know, their, um, uh, what do they call them, uh, um, mutants. So these are, you know, so, so let's make it clear, they're no friends of the black community, but they have given black people license and they've given black people permission to, to, be, um, to speak civic pride in regards to the Black Panther movement. That's why they've given black people the ability to um, cheer on fantasy and to fantasize about an empowered black community, but never to look at the real one. And all you have to do to, to compare and contrast is not just my movie, The Independence Day Project, which speaks specifically to addressing white supremacy with real goals and things of that nature, but you can also go to um, last year when uh, Nate Parker came out with The uh, Birth of a Nation, not the original, but the second, um, his version of The Birth of a Nation, which was the story of Nat Turner who was a real black superhero, mm-hmm. but that movie received all sorts of terrible, you know, uh, connotations. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it was a movie that did not present a white hero for once, and two, it was a movie that showed black people taking arms and defending themselves and killing white people. And that, that caused cognitive dissonance within the arms of those black people who like to maintain themselves as integrationists because institutionally and historically, White people have beaten fear into the black community to the point where black people have two fears of white people. One, they have fears that white people will, will, will resort to harming them and, um, and, and, and hurting them in ways, you know, based on with white rage. They're terrified of white rage. We've seen it. When white folk get mad, they have a bloodlust that's uncontrollable. That's why when you see an angry white man somewhere around black people, black people are doing whatever they can to calm them down because that genetic precursor that they have um, passed down through generations have shown black people. Black people, it, it hits a certain chord, and it makes black people very uncomfortable to see an angry white person. So um, that's one. And two, um, black people are afraid of white abandonment because we have been taught that they provide us with everything. This white supremacy thing works. We've seen it. They advertise it with us every day. We know that they can take care of the electric. They can take care of the water. They can take care of the food. And we have not been seen to be empowered. Aligning yourself with being black and African, in our mind, has been allowing ourselves, aligning ourselves with failure and aligning ourselves with, you know, a defeated culture and community. This is why so many black people do not, champion being African because we have brought into the propaganda that Africa was defeated by white supremacy. Yes, this, this generation of Africa, the last couple hundred years of Africa, yes, but we had dynasties that lasted for thousands of years that dominated the world. So, you know, but they've been able to convince us that we're not capable of rising to that stature again. So, um, mm-hmm. And because of those things, it'll be very difficult to get large numbers of black people. Unfortunately, um, and this is just my estimate, because we have less than one-tenth of a percent of black people in this country that are trying to seek an independent black community, the numbers that we would get to amass or to reach the masses are insurmountable at this point. But we can, you know, get to a group of people, a group of a small connected, a small group, and all we need is a critical mass of them. We can convince a critical mass of people to think on one accord and move towards black liberation and independence, then that energy, you'll see an energy transference to the rest of the population. Keep in mind, the, um, the American independence movement for, you know, when the colonists decided that they wanted to be free of Britain's rule, there was only 3% 
of the colonials that engaged in war, and only 56 people who created the Declaration of Independence. So you had a very small numbers. You had a critical mass, but that critical mass was enough to convince the rest of the country that this is the direction we need to go into. And um, hmm. and that's what we're looking for here. Hmm. That was important. <laughs> I mean, I needed to. I needed to hear that. Part. I mean, because it, basically, what I'm taking away is it doesn't take much. It or meaning it just needs um, to do the and the design. That's what I'm hearing. Mhm. Not take many, but what it takes is. <laughs> It, it takes for those of us who have the gumption and who have um, the courage to 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 do the work. And so, let me just give you a review real quick of um, somebody who actually saw the Independence Day Project recently. I just got this today. Now, this is consistent okay. with um, a lot of the reviews that I've gotten from people who have seen this documentary. <clears throat> okay, and this is from a sister named Brittany. Um, and she sent this uh, yesterday, actually. Okay. This documentary was very educational, definitely a must-watch for black people. There are documentaries that focus on our history but not the solutions for how we can thrive again like the kings and queens we were born to be. This is why the Independence Day Project is vital to the awareness of our people. It focuses on what's happening in real life today in the real tangible solutions to gain sovereignty. It covers all necessary topics in a way that everyone can understand and translate into small actions for change. While watching the documentary for the first time, I found myself really excited and intrigued throughout, wanting to learn more and do more through the intellect of wise black figures and common sense. The Independence Day Project offers a library of solutions for people who are tired of talking about the problem and are ready to start making a change. Overall, it was the most inspiring documentary I've ever seen, and I felt myself vibrating higher after watching it. I would love to see this added to the curriculum for young people because it would make such an impact, such a huge impact on how they see themselves in the world. That was just one of many reviews I've gotten from people since we've um, released the Independence Day Project to the community. Hmm. That was um, that was a lot in 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 just a small statement. It's, it touched on a lot of different things. Um, so so this type of a change is this type of a change something that you do with strict discipline and it's cold turkey, or is this a type of change that happens slowly over, you know, amount of time? What, how do you see this separation happening? Well, here's the thing. I'd like to see us um, systemically um, build upon this. I'd like to see us systemically move upon this in a way that we can, it can be incremental. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. The, don, mm-hmm. the, the, the society that we live in right now, is, in my estimation, they're planning for a final solution for black people. And 
we need to start plotting and plan, planning and plotting our particular road towards independence now because they're creating a scenario in the situation where there's going to be some sort of mass extermination of black people that would not care. And I know that sounds wild. I know that sounds crazy. But in the tea leaves, there are some, there are things that are synonymous with the same system and the same groups of people um, in, in terms of leadership, the same lineage, and how they were able to implement things like the Jewish Holocaust. Keep in mind, we're dealing with the same people. We're dealing with the same groups of people. We're dealing with their legacies. So the plan stays the same. It's just that the faces might change, but they make and create their leaders and they make and create their lineage so that they follow suit as they plan generationally. Now, you might think it sounds crazy until I tell you that the people that funded the Nazi Holocaust and created Hitler, well, that was Prescott Bush, who later became a state senator after being tried for, you know, being, um, uh, you know, uh, conspiring with the enemy and creating a bank in Manhattan that sponsored Nazis. They literally had a Nazi bank in Manhattan. Now, take into consideration how powerful the Bush family has been in this country. They've been involved in the CIA. They've been involved, and in, in, they've had a lineage of presidents in this country. They're the only family to have three generations of, uh, of excuse me, two generations of president in this country. <laughs> All right? When you look at that, and not just them, but the class of people that they represent, you know, and then you look at modern politics, and you look at how they've created this thing called the black identity extremist. Now, the last time that the government took on uh, an offensive role towards eliminating black nationalists was the COINTELPRO operations of J. Edgar Hoover, in which he went after first Marcus Garvey, and then he went after Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, the Nation of Islam, and then he went after the Black Power Movement. And during that time, you saw mass exterminations of black people. You had the, the riots taking place all over the country. You had the bloody summer of 1968. All right? You've seen, so, so these are the things, and the climate in this country right now is, 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 is moving towards that particular breed of, a breed of action. So as we don't have time to, to allow this to naturally, you know, because I know as, as black people, we have this thing where we want to push the snooze button on revolution because we're having too much fun right now. You know, NBA mm-hmm. All-Star Weekend's coming up. The Black Panther's coming out. I like to hang out with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I like to hang out with my homies. I want to catch up on all the talk show, reality TV shows. I don't have time to put mm-hmm. all that to the side for black liberation. I don't have time to put that to the side while they're miseducating, miseducating and terrorizing our children in school. I don't have time to do all those things because we still are not taking this matter serious. We're yeah, still looking at this as a game. New things that because I hear you say miseducation, and and then I hear you saying that um, they're not taking it seriously. But do because you know hearing some things working in education myself, hearing some things, I'm leaning more towards that miseducation because I feel like um, not necessarily that we're having too much fun, but that we don't recognize 
modern-day slavery or a slave mentality or being indoctrinated to to hate um, yourself or to – I just feel like maybe it is an education issue where people have to – it has to be a resurgence of understanding that, no, you're not in chains, um, no, you don't work for free, but what does that mean today? In today's time, what does that same slavery look like? Um, the plantation. <laughs> the plantation is our <laughs> right. But see, we don't have, see, the thing is, if we had a, a sense of history and we, uh, we're dealing with a, gen- a generation, I'm not sure how old you two sisters are, um, but we're dealing with a generation right now uh, that identifies with being millennials, and it's something that I detest to this day um, because I think that we mm-hmm. join all these other subset groups because being black and being African just isn't good enough for us. So, but bear, bear in mind, we have groups, you know, specifically this latter generation of um, millennials who don't have not really done the research on what slavery, the life of a slave was. Because if they did, then they would understand that everything they do right now, they're they're emulating and simulating the plantation practices. All right. Um, and Frederick Douglass's memoirs, he talked about the days, you know, how um, the plantation masters had created a system where they were tired of black people congregating. So they created um, no loitering laws. You know, um, they created black codes where groups of black people couldn't hang out and do anything together. Um, they created, uh, you know, uh, a lot of other laws in place that 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 have been recycled and utilized today. But in addition to that, mm-hmm. the plantation life itself, um, where black people will be put put to work from sunrise to sunset. That at sunset. Like people were, you know, giving them, they, they, they had the rest of the day to themselves on the plantation. This is really how it was. They had the rest of the day to themselves. Um, and um, specifically the field slaves. And then they were allowed to party on Friday and Saturday. They would get drunk. They were made to get drunk. They were made to fight. They were made to have sexual orgies all weekend long and then go to church on Sunday and then get ready to work on the plantation Monday morning. And what do you look at today? You look at people who are working their ass off all week long. Some people, to try to afford a specific lifestyle, will work 16-hour days, 12 to 16-hour days, just like on the plantation. No matter how much money you have, you can't escape that plantation because now you're working to Friday. And people, TGIF, Wednesdays, hump day, can't wait to get to Friday, all right? soon as Friday comes, what are people doing? People are going out getting drunk. People are going to happy hours. People are going to bars. People are hanging out all weekend trying to have sex, trying to do all these other things. On the weekends, Saturday, Friday, and Saturday. Sunday, for those who can make it, they get up and go to church on Sunday. For the other ritual, now because you have people who aren't interested in church, you have Sunday football. So all day Sunday, they would be in front of the television being indoctrinated through that. But Monday, back to the plantation. So if anybody truly studied how a plantation operated, a plantation looks like any neighborhood in Washington, D.C. It looked like any neighborhood in Philadelphia. It looked like any neighborhood in Baltimore. The, the, the houses, the shacks on the plantation were set up like row homes. 
So if you look right. on your block, you've seen the operation of a plantation. But it's through, through study mm-hmm. and understanding of how a plantation operated that people can see, well, damn, you can make the correlation. And then all you have to do is look at the laws. The 13th Amendment specifically created, recreated the plantation. So now jails operate and function just like a plantation, you know. Um, and so all these different things, it's just if the, if the community is interested in anything more than just having fun, then, you know, um, it, then, then we would be ahead of the game. But, and I want to be clear about something. It's not just black people that's having the fun now. And black people are not the only ones Mm -hmm. that are subjected to white supremacy. You know, all non-white people are subjected to white supremacy, even poor whites, because they're not considered. Poor whites are not excluded, yeah. Yeah. However, my concern is in the black community because we're the only community that still does not have a collective culture of survival. We don't have any cultural safety Mm -hmm. nets. So when something happens to us, we hit rock bottom fast, and we don't have any support to help us get back on our feet. And that is the first the problem that we deal with when, we, when it comes to not taking our community seriously. We're not even interested in building those things up to where we do have community mm-hmm. protection in case people fall. Um, we don't have any systems in place right now to deal with homelessness. We don't have any systems in place right now collectively to deal with people who are, are struggling to feed their families, to pay their bills. We don't have those. But other communities have those. They have trust put in place to make sure that community doesn't suffer. The Jewish community up in New York, they created a way for which they pimped Section 8 so that not only can they be the landlords, but they'll also be the tenants in the building. So the tenants would pay a nominal fee. The landlords of the building would receive their full fee from the government, and everybody would be able to stack their chips until the community was able to function. And then that family, once they got their money together, they would move out, become part of the collective, illegally through price gouging, and also by setting things up in their own language. So they had Yiddish newspapers putting ads out for apartments that were available in Yiddish. Who I don't know any black people that can read Yiddish, you know what I'm saying? But they did this to empower their community, and the Spanish community is doing the same thing. That's why you have all Spanish communities now coming up, and they're all in partnership with white supremacy to take advantage of the black community. That's the one thing they have in common, which is why you see that everybody has a business in the black community but black people, but black people can't take their business outside the black community. Hmm. Wow. That's a lot um, to digest. Um, you hit on a lot of pieces that I think um, my listeners also, I have a um, few comments uh, that simply say, wow. So um, that's pretty. I, I think it's um, one of those things like you were saying, so, so many people don't um, realize the... Mm-hmm. How, the impact how of white supremacy like, is. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, yeah. the impact, and I, and I don't want to cut you off, the impact of white supremacy is, is veiled itself and masked itself in so many ways, and they've convinced us, to dis, they've convinced us to disarm ourselves, so the first thing we do, we run into a problem, and as soon as we see white folk in the room, we'll say, well, it's not about race. And now we disarm ourselves with the most damning evidence of their degradation towards us, and now, so they can use whatever statistics and numbers or whatever, and it will make perfect sense now because 
Well, we, we're the ones that, you know, through our cognitive dissonance, we excluded race as a possibility as to why we're being discriminated against. Now you're talking about my work performance. Now you're talking about my aptitude. Now you're talking about my intellect. Why else can't I succeed if race isn't the issue? When race is the primary issue <laughs> for all the, all, society, all the ills in society right now, all the issues in society right now are racially based. There's nothing you could point to in society that's not racially based. This country was built on racism, white supremacy. <clears throat> the word right. of the founding fathers was America was created as a semblance to expand white supremacy. Hmm. So, you know, when, when you talk about, um, you know, uh, what's happening with us, they just realize that, you know, um, just like on the plantation, if they put enough fear into you and they've shown you that they will kill you with, with reckless abandon, with no consequence, they have already created a situation to where, well, they say, here's a banjo. Here's a pot hat. Go over there and dance a jig for me. You'll do that shit. <laughs> You'll do that. Hell, hell yeah. Y'all ain't going to kill me? No. You go over there and entertain yourself and entertain us while you're at it. And this is why, you know, we have so many things, you know, where we see um, a lens or, or escape through entertainment so much. You know, um, they, right. they've done a very good job. You have to give your enemy credit. They've done a very good job of creating this. Right. I agree. Um, and they've done it so well for so long. And I, and I, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost, it's one of those things where you end up doing, passing it generationally without even knowing that you're participating. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know? this. And I, and, I, and, I know, and I know you're running low on time, so I want to tell you two quick things. What you just said was very powerful. You, you, you realize that um, I know growing up, at least me, there was a thing where I had to be in the house before the streetlights came on. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Do you know? Okay, so, so do you know why? <laughs> I can almost imagine, okay. but I'm going to let you tell me. <laughs> okay. All right, so there was this um, this sentiment called sundown towns in America. Now, this wasn't just in the South. This was all over the country. And this was if black people were identified as being in places in, in places in the town and community or outside, when the sun went down, that they were basically um, open to being um, being raped, being harmed, being beaten savagely, and even being lynched. And this is, you know, uh, why it was so important for black families to make sure this is why our mothers would be heightenedly upset. So we passed down that practice, but we never passed down the legend as to why it was so significant. The streetlights come on when the sun goes down. So that's the mm-hmm. that's, that's why you have that practice. Now, um, understand something very important. The white community is not wrong for what they're doing. They are practicing in the best interest of their community. The biggest threat to their community is, you know, genetic annihilation, as Dr. Francis Cress Wilson put it in the ISIS papers. The biggest threat to their community is genetic, um, genetic, um, the, the threat of them dying off, genetically speaking, because, um, 
they're the only people that when they procreate with other groups of people, that they lose their um, their genetic balance. Their, their, their gene pool is not stronger. They don't have the dominant gene. We have the dominant genes. So they understand mm-hmm. that. So for, genetic, so for genetic survival, they recognize that they must, you know, have war upon us. They must do things to disenfranchise us and to keep us down. They're doing what they're supposed to. We're the ones who, as Dr. Uh, Claude Anderson states, we're the ones who are misbehaving when it comes to identifying the, the power and identifying um, our cultural ties to being black and being African. We're the ones that's not doing what everybody else does what's best for their community. We try to satisfy every community. It's the greatest trick they ever convinced. They convinced the most, the, the most uh, discriminated against, the most harmed, the most uh, disenfranchised community in the world to be the vanguards of diversity. In other words, you know, everybody else can shit on us, and we're still supposed to open our doors and our hands and our arms to them. Meanwhile, they're still allowed to exude nationalism within their community and nationalism protection within their community that block us out to any access to any gains we can have in their community. So this yeah. goes for whites, this goes for Latinos, this goes for Asians, this goes for the LGBTQ, this goes for every other group that has considered themselves to be marginalized in some form or fashion, they still are able to, to legitimize their nationalism and to block things out, to block other groups out so that they can maintain their nationalism. But they've convinced us that nationalism and being black is wrong. And because they put fear involved, they've involved it with fear. Now we have black people who will beat you to death over their sports team losing but won't stay, won't, won't, won't you know, lift a feather when it comes to black people mm-hmm. being insulted of black people being assaulted on the streets. I mean, and not only, you know, because I, I, and I, you know, I definitely respect um, that genetic protection um, as well as, you know, you when you when you look at it from another perspective, they are doing exactly what is necessary to, to protect a legacy of dominance because you can't let anything infiltrate or you lose that power. It's just mm-hmm. like they treat their businesses. It's very cutthroat, you know, and mm-hmm. and the point is for survival over long periods of time. And so, you know, all of those things, being that that's who mm-hmm. they've been for as long as they've been here, you know, um, that, that's what we're up against. And we have to recognize that. But like you said, assimilation was beaten into us for so long that we started to tell our children that it is the way to be. Mhm. Yeah. And um and we and we and we disarmed them. We've told them that black mm-hmm. and African pride is a deficit because we ourselves align it with being defeated. And see, we need to get mm-hmm. over that. We need to become empowered as blacks and Africans. So when I teach my classes, I teach my classes from an Afrocentric perspective. So any class that I teach is going to, you're going to learn how this affects black people before you learn how it affects anybody else. And I don't care who the students are. Mm-hmm. And I've been blessed mm-hmm. to have classrooms full of black women. And there's nothing more empowering than watching the faces of black women when they see a brother that can speak free and unapologetic. And one of the sisters said, when mm-hmm. I saw her looking at me, I said, I said, are you okay? And she said, I'm just telling you, Professor. 
it is just a it's just a breath of fresh air to see a black man speak so free. And mm-hmm. see, that's mm-hmm. because you know, um, and we have a mantra that we call stepping into our power. Um, one of the things I work with a group of brothers and uh, some sisters as well. And we have a thing here in Philly called the Block by Block Black Captains. And one of the things we've done with that is we want to re re um, integrate black men in terms in terms of their rightful role as protectors and providers of their community. So we, you know, we've commandeered a, a section out in West Philadelphia. Um, we've commandeered a park where we, play, we pretty much claimed on Sundays. And um, the reason we chose Sundays was because it was the day that most black men are absent from their children because the men are watching football while their children are outside at play. So we, you know, integrated ourselves in that community um, and Carroll Park in West Philadelphia. And we also are now in Booster Elementary School. But one of the things we have is a mantra, and it's a mantra which is a, an affirm, uh, affirmation that we teach to not just the children but the members of the community that come out with us, and it's called Step Into Your Power. And when one of mm-hmm. the, one, this mantra is called, so we say Step Into Your Power, and then the next part of it is it's time to transform. So basically, if we as black people ever step into our power and we transform into that power, then we are, we would start to start, you know see ourselves more solvent. We would start to see ourselves with more power. We would start to see ourselves um, being able to function independently of the system. We would expect some of the things in the system we would turn our nose up because we would recognize as uh, detriment to us. Liquor stores, um, these these corner marts with all this uh, cheap bottom shelf beer and things of that nature, uh, selling uh, marijuana uh, papers to the people to the community so they could. You know, just you know, they can profit off of our pain and they're opening up. We would turn those places out. You know, um, we wouldn't fraternize them. And then there are these um, hair stores. You know, stores with hair supplies where these people are beating our black women to death or beating them down and, and doing such harm. And this is true of all European culture. The, you know, to the victor goes the spoils. When you're men, when the men of a community is seen as obsolete or ineffective or feminized then the women and children will become the victims. What have you seen in the black community recently? In the last 10 years, 5 to 10 years, what you've seen is a lot of black women and children being harmed. Why? Because they do not fear retribution from black men. And that is a call on black men to step forward and assume their role in the community as a providers, not just providers, but protectors, and, and be unafraid and unassumed in terms and not unassuming in regards to this tide of violence that's headed towards our women and children. That's a lot of, I mean, you have, I, I'm, I'm digesting. <laughs> that was a lot, too. Um, <laughs> and it's so true, though. I mean, everything you say, it's like I have to sit back and go, yeah, I see that, you know. Um, it's sad, yeah. too. Um, because how many people don't get to see it? Well, how many people are not awakened by any of of the conversation? You know, they're not having the conversations, um, and they're not able to see because they feel like, like you said, this is I'm free. This is this is the freedom that my great grandmother never had. But they don't realize that it's not. It's 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 not. Well, there's also another factor, too, and I want to be real about that other factor. And the other factor is a lot of people 
feel as though the problem is too big for them. And because they see this big problem and they wonder what can their, you know, what, what can their individual impact be, they're um, unlikely to, to move on things. And we want people to know that there are other brothers and sisters out here that um, that are building, that are moving towards this. You know, there's a good brother by the name of Dr. Laverne Murphy out of Chicago. And he said, um, he stated um, during the conference we were at in Mississippi that, you know, black people are not disinterested, we're just disconnected, you know. So there's a lot of people moving. But because we're moving in places and we're not connected with other people who, you know, are functioning in a similar capacity, a lot of us feel like this problem is too big for our individual selves to, to, to address. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, we can do, and this is a big reason as to why we went into creating the Independence Day Project. I want people to understand that this was a four-year process, okay? The process was, basically standing in front of children, explaining to these children in the different high schools that I would go into as we were educating them and, and saying to them, this is what white supremacy is, this is what it's doing to you, and this is how it's harming you. And, you know, you need, we need to start focusing on building and getting out. And the children say, unlike on social media, the children actually say, you know what, you're right. There was no argument. There was no trying to defend the system. The children were like, you're right. So what do we do about it? And see, the first time they asked me that question, I didn't have an answer because I was married to the struggle. And like a lot of my elders, I found out later, so married to the struggle, never envisioned a community free of white supremacy. So basically, we were saying we were in a war, but we weren't fighting a war to win. We were fighting a war of attrition. <laughs> we were fighting just to survive. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, mm-hmm. you don't go to work every day looking to survive. You go to work to one day get to your retirement so eventually you can relax and understand you conquered the work environment and now you're going to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So, no. This, mm-hmm. So that's, that began the gestation process to, you know, uh, creating the Independence Day Project. And I started asking brothers and sisters all over the country, what does this mean? And it was funny because I asked a lot of big-name people who sit in front of you and lecture you know, uh, have sellout lectures. I'm not going to mention no names, but <laughs> um, but there were some I brothers and imagine. sisters. <laughs> yeah, you know, but and I asked them those questions because um, there's not too many people in the so-called conscious community that I don't know. I'm just going to let you know that. Okay. So and I okay. asked those brothers and sisters that question, and they could not answer the question because they never considered it. And so that's mm-hmm. when the, the mindset and the brainset went into um, – to create the Independence Day Project. I had a brother, somebody that I grew up with, in one of my lectures at Black and Nobel Bookstore, and he brought to my attention, he said, brother, what if you did all those things you're talking about? Like, like if black people did all the things you're talking about and we put it in the movie, but we showed it working. And then it was like, wow, you know, because the propaganda that we've been sold has often been through the media to show the dysfunction of the black community. Well, what if you showed if we functioned accordingly what would it look like? And that's when, you right. know, um, so, you know, so I think that if people saw the Independence Day Project, it's not me pushing the movie, it's me pushing the revolution. Um, mm-hmm. and, and not just pushing the revolution, it's to change the conversation. There are going to be people who look right. at the Independence Day Project, and they're going to dissect it, and they're going to say, no, nah, I don't think this brother's right. Why? Well, because if we wanted an independent community, we'd be going A, B, and C. You see, we're still winning. Because now the conversation is not just about surviving. The conversation is now about, well, if we wanted that independent community, this is the things we'd be doing. You see? 
So mm-hmm. if it just mm-hmm. changes the conversation, already we're succeeding in changing the narrative. And then, right. you, you know, it spark, because a lot of us say that we won't see it in our lifetimes. And I question that because the American Revolution happened in four years. <laughs> you know, when the yeah. South decided to succeed from America, that was like a two-year mm-hmm. process. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So right. why can't we see our, you know, independent black community now? You know? So hmm. um, I'm, I'm of that mindset, and it's going to take some real strong revolutionary thinking, revolutionary moving, liberated, driven brothers and sisters to lead it, and then we're going to need community protection because don't think for a second that this system is not recognizing who, you know, our message. There's a reason why you got people who can consistently sell out stadiums and nobody's touched them. The feds are not, are not conspiring against them. And then you have the type of shit that's been happening to me over the last two years that would sound like something out of the science fiction novel. You know what I'm saying? If I was to ever tell people all of the things that, that right. you know, the craziness. I'll give you one. Mm-hmm. The first year that I started doing the Independence Day Project and I started putting ads out for it, the the doors to my car were unlocked every single day for a year when I got up in the morning. I locked them every night, but they would be unlocked every single day. Who Nothing was ever taken. The but see, that was the warning. Yeah. There was, I mean, I'm talking about people coming out of shadows. I'm like, where the hell did you come from? <laughs> and they, you know, making it present. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stories I could tell you about that, and that's not the only way. You know, they hit you through the IRS. They hit you through, you know, different entities. I mean, but it's not when what they hit you with is the timing of it all. You know, these things mm-hmm. by themselves might seem like, you know, uh, it might seem as though that they're incidental or coincidental. But the timing of them all lets you know that this is a, this is a uh, conglomerate um, working together. You know, this is a constellation right. of, of factors working together. And um, these factions working together that they're, um, that they're conspiring against you. And it's not just me. I've talked to other brothers and sisters in the project that have told me different things have happened in the dump now that the project has been released. So we already know who we're up against. And, see, this is the part about taking things seriously. See, we take this seriously, you know, so we know to be armed. We know to be, you know, looking over our shoulders. We know to, you know, make sure that our brake lines are working before we pull off. We know all those things because we, do, we understand that the message that we're putting out there is the most dangerous message for the, for the dominant society since the spook who sat by the door. The most dangerous message for black independence and revolution. And like I said, we stand on the shoulders of all the teachers, the educators, um, ancestors, and current teachers. We stand on the shoulders of all the, the, the documentaries that came out that, that fully explained white supremacy and broke down the history, you know, like the Hidden Colors series, Elementary Genocide. Those, we, we fully, you know, respect those. Because without those documentaries, you couldn't have the clarity. You, you wouldn't be able to, to see the Independence Day Project, the clarity that you see it with. You know, so, right. you know, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not, mm-hmm. 
you know, so, historically, you know, if you are bringing a message and you are rallying the troops, somebody's going to remove um, the head. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, yes. So. so, you know, and, and if anybody, they can go to org, org, okay. and they can check out the Independence Day Project. They can come see, you know, they can grab their copy. Um, I'm going to be headed to the mailbox first thing in the morning to send off some orders. Okay. Um, so, you know, um, if um, anybody puts their order in tonight. Price, uh, range, and... Oh, the price for the Independence Day project is twenty one ninety nine. Yeah, we're not trying to hurt anybody, and that in, that includes mm-hmm. shipping and handling. That includes shipping oh, okay. and handling. You know, so it's twenty one ninety nine, and um, it's not thirty dollars. It's not forty five dollars. <laughs> you know, um, prices that I've paid for other documentaries. No, it, it's the, the mm-hmm. price is um, very manageable. It's basically if you decided to. Um, you know, go on a date. If you decided to go to the movies and you went by yourself, you would be paying that for that. That's you would be paying right. more to go to the movies if you got yourself um, a medium drink and a uh, medium popcorn plus admission. You would be paying upwards of twenty five dollars. Right. We're giving you the Independence Day project, and we're giving it to you for twenty two dollars, <laughs> basically. Okay. Okay. You know? um, and so, we have any more projects coming? Um, right now, um, we're, we're really focused on, on spreading this one, but there is going to be another mm-hmm. project down the line, and that project is going to focus on the um, international part. It's going to talk about, and, and it's going to be deep because we're going to go into, you know, um, reacquisition of land. You know, we're going to talk about moving the colonizers out of Africa now out of the, the, the diaspora because it's not just European now. Now you have Asian supremacy going on. <laughs> so you have mm-hmm. a bunch of, you know, Chinese and Koreans going into Only. a lot of different places Only where black people, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we're going to talk, talk about mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to address that. You know, we're going to have a, um, another um, uh, think tank session where we um, map out some, some people that I trust. You know, we're going to map it out, and um, I don't think we're going to do 25 people this time. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, but, you know, here's the great part about it, though. The people that we interview, you don't know them, but the information they give you is so top-notch. Brother Ron Bethea's mm-hmm. in there. You know, Brother Ron has some very, very good, timely, you know, moments in the project, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We wouldn't have been able to complete it without his input. Um, we mm-hmm. have uh, Brother Isaac Tayemba who runs Harlem Liberation School. And, um, you know, we have uh, the Brother Q Butter who runs Zyx Institute, which, you know, if you haven't been to Brooklyn and you get down to, to St. Mark's and you go into St. Mark's and you'll see um, that it's not just a record radio studio. Um, he's a, a sound engineer, but also, you know, they have um, – a classroom set up. They have a community board. You know, they have um, do a lot of work in the community. You know, we have a uh, sister out in California, Kara Poole, who runs this, this uh, uh, a brilliant, brilliant um, website called The Great Brio, in which she um, has a, a, a just an artistic way of 
entertaining you while teaching you about Fred Hampton, teaching you about um, the militancy side of Martin Luther King. You know, not the I have a dream speech bullshit they sell mm-hmm. us every the February. Right, the only the, side the, that we learn. Right? Yeah, you know, the, she, you know, she's talking about when, when she covers him, it's about, you know, um, land acquisition, you know, uh, setting things straight and um, resources. You know, that Dr. King, that the end eventually, that Dr. King that got killed for those, you know, for the stand that he took. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and we have many more. You know, we have a brother out, um, brothers out of Tallahassee, uh, Florida. You know, my brother Joseph Ward, and he has a, a book series called On the Shoulder of Giants where he uh, illustrates um, uh, African figures in this hemisphere. And, um, that you, you might not know a lot of. And, you know, he has two different series, one in Central America and one in North America right now, and he's working on a third composite to it. And um, and he also has an application, you know, that, that, that illustrates that as a very fundamental educational tool. Um, we have an organization called PAX, Inc., that I'm um, a member of the board. I'm a, one of the board of directors. And on the, as a member of the board of directors, you know, we have in there, you go to paxinc.org, you um be able to see we have a code of conduct that's already up and running that it fits into any model of the black community. If we function that, maybe, you know, and we could probably develop more of a culture, you know, based on that code of conduct right now, a culture for success, a culture for self-empowerment. And that, so, you know, those are just a few of the people that, that we mentioned. There's, you know, everybody in a project is a mover, a shaker. You know, Kara works right now in mm-hmm. an uh, elementary school, you know, teaching black empowerment out in California which is a very hard place wow. to teach it because everybody out there has bought into Hollywood. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's just the, the list goes on, and, you know, uh, here so we got people here who have actually taken over whole parks and claimed it. They're building on it. They spotted on parks, and they took it from the city, hmm. you know. <laughs> so, you okay. know, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we got people moving on things and, and, and making things happen. So, um it's, it's, it's a um, wonderful, wonderful project, um, and uh, and like I said, we want to share it with the world. We want the world to see it because mm-hmm. one thing we do know, as soon as the dominant society sees it, they're going to start really moving on some shit. <laughs> so right. we want to make sure that we get this into as many hands as possible. A lot of support. Right. Well, I'm actually going to probably be down in the DMV area. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if you sisters are from that area, but we're looking for the first Friday in March to be have to have a showing. So we're going we're working on that right now. Um, they're going to be a, they're having a showing this weekend here in Philadelphia on Sunday the 18th. Uh, we know that people are hyped up about the other movie about um, you know African and I guess you can call it African empowerment. I just never understood the rationale about having pride about an African who's going to war with other Africans. You know, which is what you're seeing in the Black Panther movie. However, okay, um, we, we will be having uh, we will be having um, a showing here in Philadelphia. Um, we'll be having several different showings um, in the weeks to come. Um, we're looking to possibly having one in Brooklyn at Mecca Evers College on the 28th. We're still negotiating that, and um, February and March is filling up. And uh, people are, you know, with, uh, there's going to be another film festival in, um, I believe, in May at uh, at the Adam Clayton Powell 
Center um, State Building in New York. Um, we just had our, our premiere in Harlem at Harlem Liberation School um, just this past, on the 29th of January, which um, at the conclusion of the movie, you know, we had video of the crowd. You know, first of all, it was, it was a sellout. <laughs> we sold out that small room, but <laughs> we sold it out. The interview moment, everybody chanting black power, you know, chanting just black power at the end, you know. And um, mm-hmm. and every time we've shown this movie, you know, people have been, people have been in the room. Uh, elders have grabbed me on all occasions and said, I feel the ancestors here. I feel the spirit is powerful. It's powerful amongst us. Um, one sister even said, that as Africans, there's a legend that says the African artifacts heals black the African DNA. So if you have African masks, African statues in your house, it's once believed that because they invoke the spirits of our ancestors, they begin to heal what's wrong with our DNA. And then she hmm. went on to say that this movie is going to do that for the masses of black people that see. So, Well, um, we definitely have to have to make sure that uh, it reaches the message. So you have to expand those tour dates and the locations and uh, get down to this southern sector um, and do some of this down here. So, um, where are you? Uh, you don't mind so me asking, where are you at, sir? I am in Texas. Imaz oh, is in South. I'm in Dallas, actually. Oh, Dallas? Okay. Yes. And uh, oh, and uh, okay. And another. Uh, I'm in North Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry, oh. North Carolina. Did say South? <laughs> you know that we are we are looking at both of those areas right now, and what we're trying to do is to get some promoters. What I've told people to do is, if you can't afford to to get us down there, because that's typically the process. Then what you do is you go to your local colleges or universities. If you have the HBCU, holler at them. But if you have a group of black students who are a part of a black student union and a privately white owners, they have funds and they have access to funds to bring us to your city. So that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the ways we can get down there. And then, two, in killing two birds with one stone, because I thoroughly believe that that's the age demographic that's going to actually push this thing forward. You know, specifically mm-hmm. college students, you look at what happened with Missouri last year when um, when they wanted to remove that president because he was he refused to act on the racist things that were happening on their campus. The black football players said, we're not playing any more football until you do so. And they realized their power right there. They stepped into it. And what happened? They fired the president and the provost of that university, mm-hmm. you know, because they mm-hmm. couldn't afford to lose those millions of dollars they were going to lose the money. if those Division One football players decided to play. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and so, this is the West where the revolutionary energy lies. It lies on those college campuses. They're just dormant right now, and they're being overrun by fake liberal organizations such as Black Lives Matter and all these other groups that are not practicing and preaching moving towards Black liberation. They're doing other things where they're creating, um, you know. Uh, uh, a lot of action, a lot of moves, but no traction and no tangible mm-hmm. goals. They don't have any goals. They just want to irritate you. 
And irritation for what? The system is designed the way it is. You know, you should be mm-hmm. taking the energy and building towards it. So they have been sabotaged by their own minions in that regard. Yeah. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we have come to the last part of our show. So um, I definitely have placed um, the website where um, my list can uh, cop that um, documentary, watch it in masses. Don't don't necessarily just watch it by yourself. Um, invite family, invite friends, so watch it in groups. Um, so mm-hmm. we touch a lot of people. Um, and then, like I said, move into your community and invite the brother to. So mm-hmm. you can check um, my Facebook page. Um, for those who are on the live or who are listening, you can check my Facebook page. You'll see the link. And definitely support and learn something. So we want to thank you very much, um, Professor Carl, for being with us this evening and teaching us so much. And um, it just felt like it was such a short amount of time. I think it's because it was so much to learn, to grasp. And we definitely will invite you back. I definitely appreciate your time, um, sisters. And it's always wonderful building with our, you know, uh, with our sisters. Um, I love the fact that, um, you know, we're able to just by us having this conversation show that um, we are better allies than we'll ever be enemies in regards to the things that have been happening towards the, the, the breakdown between brothers and sisters in the community. And, I'm, and I hope that this, you know, we can continue these dialogues like this. Um, I definitely enjoyed the time. I enjoyed your energy, energy and I uh, appreciate you both. Thank you so much for allowing me to be in your space for this amount of time. Well, you are so welcome. And uh, we hope that we engage like this again with the next project. So don't forget us. When you get bigger. <laughs> well, we'll do, sis. I mean, when I say we'll do, what I mean is <laughs> I will definitely make sure that we link up again. <laughs> um, that works for us. That works for us. All right. Well, you I enjoy should. the last part of your evening, and thank you again. I'll say. I'll say peace and black power. All right. So, uh, Iman. Iman, you're going to be able to put headphones. Yes, ma'am. I lost my headphones. I'm really sorry. I apologize. Oh, as I said, you got really quiet on me over there. I was really. I, I know. I know. You know that. You know I know that you were retain information. I, I know you were here because, you know, I had to check. I mean, you were here, and it's like she's here. But, yeah. I just think it's amazing how third part of this show didn't show. I bet you he sleeps somewhere. Mm-hmm. But then I thought about whether we could have handled both of them together. Mm, too much black. I don't know if we would have been able to do both of them together. So I think it was done the best way. 
because Professor Carl had lots of nuggets for us. So I don't think we could have had Ron Nuggets yeah. as well. We've been over Mhm. But a lot. Yeah. So um, I just want to tell you a happy Valentine's Day again because that's all we got to say before the show. <laughs> before the show. And then my, then my camera died on me, and it was plugged in. Like, it was plugged in, and it was like, no more. Oh, man. And I was watching on the live. I was I was here the whole time. I was watching on the live and on it. Um, I know. I saw you every week. I think that my camera was being racist. Oh. You said I it was think being racist. Uh-huh. That was a side of protein. I Samsung. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it was racist and my camera battery which was plugged in at the time, said, no, bitch, I'm protesting. So I didn't protest. That's what that was. The battery took a knee. Mm, not a knee. While we, was, while we was trying to learn, guys. Yeah. And I had people that was, like, really watching this and learning stuff. And then the camera mm-hmm. was like, yeah, no more for you. No more for you. Yeah, no more. You're just being too black, right? Like, too black for the Facebook. Quite possibly the same people that was un- unlocking uh, Professor Carl's doors. That could be true too. It's all right. I know you're Thanks watching, time. Big Brother. I know, I know you are. Okay, so you uh, were going to say something. I want you to say something before we before we end the show. I want you to say what you were going to say because you were going to say something. Go ahead. What was I about to say about what about Samsung? Uh huh. So, yesterday's debacle was Samsung. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had to take a so whole I, breath. That's a little bit coming. Break yourself. So, you know, I, I eventually, you know, I was having issues with my other phone. Mm-hmm. And so I it finally just gave out. So, like, two weeks ago, I went and got the Note 8 or whatever. Yesterday morning, it froze. It didn't do anything. Like, I missed my whole alarm clock. I missed <laughs> work. I didn't miss work, but I was late. I overslept. Um, and then I was panicking. I was like, what's going on? Why is it not doing It froze, like, at nighttime while you were sleeping? Yes, it froze while I was sleeping. Oh, so, so when I woke up, I was like, "Why are birds chirping?" Because I wake up when it's dark. Birds are not chirping when it's dark. Um, I said, "Why are birds chirping?" <laughs> and why is the light in here? I looked at the, I looked at my tablet, and it said it's eight o'clock. Okay, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be at work at eight o'clock. Yeah, I know it. You know, I'm supposed to be logged in at eight o'clock or whatever, mm. and I'm not about to jump out to see it. Um, then I left my other phone at my parents' house. So that second alarm would have went off if it was in my house. And my mother is like, mm-hmm. um, your phone's been going off all day. Your alarms have been going all over the place. 
So I ended up having to call Sprint, and I was going to panic because I was going to head over to the store if I didn't. So they was like, no, we can fix it over the phone. You just have to um, reset your phone. How do I reset my phone? There's no battery to take out this shit. What am I supposed to do? And I didn't say that to them, but I was being, I was trying to check my patient at the door because I was already in a tizzy. Um, I was like, ma'am, I can help you. Just hold the down button and the power button, and it'll come on in like 20 seconds. At first, it didn't do it. I was like, it's not doing it. And I'm not coming over there to the store. Somebody's going to have to come out to my house because I'm not coming to the store. Because I hate going to the <laughs> store. I hate it. I hate it because there's only one repair center in the city, and everybody goes to it. I'm not coming to the store. Yeah. We're going to fix this over the phone or something. Or y'all going to get this phone back because I just got it too weak. And it shouldn't be doing this. So he's like, no, it's a known problem. <laughs> Um, it can be fixed, and so it fixed itself. But honey, from that point, I talked to every crazy person in America <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> they made my head hurt from the beginning of the day. I said, "That's why I said mm-hmm. yesterday just threw a whole Tuesday away because it was just rocky. It just started way wrong." So mm-hmm. I know you are a Samsung person, so. And you have the you know, seven? Do you have a seven? Have the Galaxy. Have the Galaxy. And that's what my see, I I like we I have the Galaxy Eight Plus, right? And like it's cool. But I was just using a camera from the note old note, like note five or something. The old note. Uh-huh. And that's that's what died on us when I was on the first live because I was like, yeah, I'll just do that and it'll pick up better because I'm trying to pick up the show better because when I do the other one through the computer, we don't always hear people. So I was trying to use the other one because it'll pick up the recording better. Uh-huh. And then it like, but just for a little while, so now I'm going to go off and then what y'all going to do? So now I'm on the computer's uh, camera, which is all grainy. It looks like I'm in uh-huh. a 1950s film. And, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boo to okay. all these solutions right now. Boo to all these solutions. But it's okay. I mean, we we made it through the show. I made mm-hmm. it through. It's a good show. And so next Wednesday, I'll have an opportunity to try some other thing. And and we're gonna try to make this thing roll out like it's supposed to. Okay. That's all we can do. Cause I don't know what else to do when you're plugged up and you still die. That that's some you being petty. You really are. So, computer. Yeah, my little grainy computer, but it's working. Like y'all see me, things are a little bit delayed, but whatever. You know, it works in a pinch. <laughs> Do we'll do better. We'll do better next week. Okay. okay. So there you go. But Ron is on a list. Um, okay. Yeah, he's asleep. You know he's asleep. He's asleep. Or oh, a baby then held him hostage and is whooping him. Something that he can't control is happening right now. But that's all right. He will not get paid for this evening's broadcast. <laughs> 
you know. No peanuts for him. No peanuts. And I'm charging him a day. Charging him a day of vacation. And he ain't getting paid. Unpaid vacation. That's what it is. Whole eight hours gone. <laughs> and I'm going to run that to the HR. And I know HR over there is going to be like, exactly, because that's what HR does. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't mind docking just, no place, honey. I dock it. I love it. I love her. All right, my love. Well, I'm going to let you go enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm going myself into this bed. My world. Yes. I ain't, I ain't gonna get up early. I got to get up early, so I need to get up there, so I can get up early. Right, and like I said, I get up when it's dark outside. Yeah, but I gotta get up early other than I usually do, and I don't know how I feel about that because I have early issues. I don't, early is not really an o'clock for me. I don't. Mm-mm. I don't like it, but I do it. Discipline mm-hmm. Got to act All like right, Valentine. Well, you All right, Valentine. Right. It was great. Um, engaging with your silentness, but <laughs> but it's okay because I mean I don't think that anyone is gonna complain that there was no talking. There was plenty of talking. Yeah. So it anyway. was. And this week. We gonna, you know, be business as usual. So oh, come join say. us next week. Same time, same time. And same back to the same back channel. All right, well, good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night.